on today's episode of The Breakaway. Republic FC wingback Duke Lacroix, who, by the way, has been a ton of fun to watch early on in this season. What an addition he's been, huh? Two games, two wins for the Sac Republic. We talked to Duke Lacroix about those two games and much, much more. About a half-hour conversation. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure getting to know him a little bit better. Um, and I hope if you're anything like me, and I'd say this in the interview, just love watching him play. If you missed Tuesday's episode or Wednesday's episode earlier this week with Rob McAllister, we talk about a ton of stuff heading into Saturday's match, including a quick preview of Orange County SC, another big match. Republic looking to start the season 3-0 and and to get to the top of the table with a win uh, tomorrow. Kickoff, 7 p.m., 7 p.m. Um, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. KQCA, My58, ESPN Plus, Australia TV to watch that match. All right, let's do it. Welcome to The Breakaway, a Sacramento Republic podcast. Band it in the box! Unbelievable strike! My goodness, what a defensive play! Half the crowd can't even believe it! Two guys get Team of the Week last week. Shannon Gomez and Dark Formella. Formella was the man of the match on Saturday, or last Wednesday's match, excuse me, with assist and a goal. Shannon Gomez, two games, two assists. Um, and so those two guys, Team of the Week. Tucker Bones goal up for Goal of the Week. It doesn't look like he's going to win that, although I, in my opinion, he should. One of the things I wanted to mention, I don't think we touched on it um, with Rob McAllister, is the outstanding play in the link-up play that Carlton Belmar has had the last couple matches. And I and he hasn't had a goal or, any, or an assist to show for it or anything like that, and I understand that that's what he wants to do is score goals. But he has been huge, making and what Mark Briggs calls it unselfish runs. And that's what I like to see is he's making a run, knowing he's not going to get the ball, but what it does is it draws defenders away, and then it allows for a second run from a different player to open up and have more opportunities. And that's kind of a a perfect example of the unselfish guy that Belmar is and the what he's bringing to the table here early on in this season. So I just wanted to quickly touch on that because um, I really think Belmar has been so good. And, and what's funny is, is he's a different you know striker or forward than a lot of these other guys on the team. Much more physical, kind of a bruising, bruising striker um, and very physical and can cause problems, especially when they're undersized. Uh, center backs or defenders, and that is could be the case uh, throughout this season. There's a, c- a couple situations where if you have a younger team like LA Galaxy 2, um, those guys aren't as developed, aren't as strong, and Belmar can, can really facilitate uh, and win that physicality matchup. So I thought he's been playing really great here early on. I just want to mention that because I know he doesn't have, he hasn't done anything incredibly flashy, although the back heel in the preseason friendly against Real Monarchs was beautiful. Other than that, he hasn't had any highlight plays, but he's been consistent and he's been just integral in link-up play and also made a lot of unselfish runs, which arguably, I believe, in two of the four goals have resulted in goals, basically because he's drawing defenders on his run and then a, a run that comes a little bit later has been the one that Sacramento has scored on. So, But I think he's going to get something to show for it here soon. I think he's been playing really well. I just wanted to mention that. Again, congratulations to Farmella and Gomez. Gomez, by the way, has served in some great balls. If you heard it on my, on the mic'd up of the match, um, Briggs is yelling, 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 and then Gomez sends in a cross, and he just goes, oh, great ball. And Gomez has been 
uh, really playing well in top form right now. So excited for him to continue to do that um, for Sacramento. Last thing I wanted to say is I'm curious to see who we'll see in the 11 and more what we're going to see kind of formation-wise. I mean, I know we did, we talked about this um, last Thursday on the Tomas, Tomas Gomez pod, uh, but my thinking is I'm curious to see what exactly is going to happen for in, in a few different ranges. Is Sacramento going to play kind of a three-forward setup with Belmar, Formella, um, and Bone, kind of like how they did in last week's match, or are they going to go back to more of a three-five-two, more traditional with three midfielders um, and and two up top. I'm curious to see what the decision is, and I think what it'll do is it'll tell us if that decision was more personnel based or if it was more of a technical change. So I'll be interested to see what happens coming up on Saturday. Excited for the match; it's going to be a good one. Um, but I'm also excited for y'all to listen to this interview with Duke Lacroix. Let's do it. Left wing back, former forward. If you can't tell when the way he goes forward, he's dangerous. It's Duke Lucroix. All right, Republic FC fans. He's been playing left wing back uh, for the first couple matches. And by the way, I've been playing great. I told him before we started, he's been one of my favorite guys to watch this year. Duke Lucroix, how are you, man? Good to see you. Congrats on the, uh, the first two wins. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, a great start to the season. Um, we're excited to have six points on the board out of six possible, so that's all we can ask for where we're 100% through two, and we're looking to, to add to that um, coming this weekend. You played against Orange, or you played for Orange County a couple years ago. Any, any excitement to go back there and play against them? Um, yeah, it's always exciting to play against some former teammates. Um, looking at that roster now, too, they have a couple guys from Reno, um, and, and being a couple years in the league, there's a lot of familiar faces now. So it's, it's always good to, to go against some familiar faces and to beat some familiar faces because then you can talk a lot of trash after that. So I'm excited to go back down there. You've, uh, you've kind of bounced around a little bit in the, in the Pacific Division now, in the West Coast from Orange County to Reno and now to Sacramento. Um, when you talk about and you compare Reno to Sacramento, and we've t- I think you and I have actually talked about this before, but I'm curious as to you know playing alongside someone like Tucker Bone, who you played with last year, mm-hmm. and coming into Sacramento and bringing that knowledge of his his game coming into Sacramento. Does you think that gives you guys a little bit of an advantage? Um, so I didn't play with Tucker last season. I spent a season in Charlotte. That's right. I knew yes. that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I spent one season back on the East, a COVID year. Um, so it was kind of you know a, a miss a misnomer year for a lot of people. It wasn't even a championship game, um, but in a lot of ways, coming back west has been really exciting. And, and like we spoke about, there's a lot of familiar faces. Mm-hmm. I think I'm familiar with the way the league is kind of run um, in terms of the established teams on the west coast. There's some familiar faces, and OC is one of them, where where their team competing to be you know a top of the table, and that's where we want to be here in Sacramento. And Reno was a team that was competing to be at the top of the table. So from a competitive standpoint, you know it's it's really good to be among some familiar competition and, and to try to push the precipice this year with Sacramento. It's going to be awesome. The first two games so far this year, it seems like every half you guys have gotten better. Yeah. You know, that first half against LA Galaxy, there were some there were some holes. It seems like they got cleaned up big time. Second half, you guys get the win. And then even in the Las Vegas match as well, it, it seems like you guys are just really starting to find your groove. Do you feel that in training and, and in those matches? Yeah, we, we definitely feel where we're getting better day by day. And that's, you know, the beauty of, of the offseason in the first couple of games. You're still trying to find your feet. You're still trying to sort out, you know, the consistencies and, and the habits and fine-tuning things here and there tactically. 
Um, and, and every single day, the coaching staff is harping on it. All the players are harping on it. Just making steps in the right direction. We know it's not going to be perfect, but every single day, we strive to be better than the day before. And I think we, we've been aiming to do that and have been successful in doing that and showing up on the field. You've played uh, in front of the hostile environment that is the Sacramento crowd as a visitor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A couple times now, an opening night last week, you got to do a show um, as a part of the home team. What was that like for you? Oh, man, it's special. There's there's a palpable energy. You know, There's this wasn't at capacity, um, but definitely something that we've missed. And the energy, it felt like the stadium was full, even though we didn't have full capacity. So, you know, we're, we're thankful for the support that the fans have been given um, in the first home opener. And we're, we're excited to, to have them back on the 29th. And, you know, the first one was special to get the W um, in front of the home crowd was awesome on opening night. Um, coming off of that Las Vegas match, uh, you know, what was the, the feeling around the locker room as far as confidence level? Or you guys feel like you're in a really good spot and continue, you know, to build off of what's been going on in, here in training the last couple of days? Yeah, um, I think we're, we're a very confident group. We're not a group that kind of gets stuck in our laurels in terms of, you know, harping on mistakes. And we, we really felt like even though we got the win and that's something we want to celebrate every time we win a game, that's what it's about. It's about putting three points on the board. We didn't feel like we played our absolute best. Um, There's some great moments, and like we're talking about, we're building on one game to the next, um, coming from L.A. and then playing Vegas. Um, but what we really want to do is put together a complete performance, and, and once we can do that for the first time, we know the standard and the bar we have to keep every single game. And we had it in moments, and it was truly special on the field where there are certain plays like Shaw's balls into Derek, Derek touch, Derek's assist to Jaime, a lot of great moments, Tucker's finish. You know, the work rate defensively and offensively we had in glimpses for longer periods of time. But when we can put that together for 90 minutes, it's going to be really special. And I'm, I'm excited for the fans to be able to see that because some days in training it comes out. Well, I mean, and you play both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. kind of you and Shannon and, and, and Jordan to, to a certain extent. We haven't got to see a whole lot of Jordan yet, but I know we will. Um, that that wing back position, you're kind of responsible for some of the goals that are happening. Obviously, Shannon has two assists. Uh, you've had a couple that you could have had if someone mm-hmm. if there had been a finish, but and then defensively as well, you guys haven't given up a, given up a goal, um, you know, during play only PK mm-hmm. goal. Is that is that a a positive or a I shouldn't say positive? I should say it's a is that a thing you guys have a goal every single match is hey we want to we want to have clean sheets and do you guys talk about it? I mean I'm I'm curious to hear that side of it because you don't like we've been talking about man mm-hmm. the the attack looks great you know build ups looks good the formations look good but we haven't talked about defensively that, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a good thing right because yeah. they've been so good yeah. And uh, that's definitely something we harp on as a group. The coaching staff, you know, Briggs, that's the first thing in our, in our sheet that we look at defensively. The first defensive point is keep a clean sheet. If you can keep a clean sheet, the worst you're doing is a tie. And so if we can keep a clean sheet going into the game and, and make it really, really difficult and be a difficult team to play against, then we're going to find success offensively. And, and that's where a lot of our success has stemmed from is our willingness to work. The shape and compactness and structure that we have as a team defensively leads to a lot of our success offensively. And it's been really great that the guys have bought in and everyone's playing both sides of the ball. You know, Derek has made some great plays offensively, but he's also put in some great plays defensively too. Tucker as well, Cam, Carlton. You know, the guys up top really bust their butt in terms of helping us out defensively, and it's great to see. And, it, and you know, hopefully they get the spoils on the offensive side as well. Um, is there a, any, you know, uh, competitiveness between you and, and Shannon and Jordan? Who can get, like, just Shannon been like, hey, man, I got, I got two assists this last week. You got to get one this week now. Is there any, any of that going on? Uh, no, no. I mean, we, we always want to see our teammates be successful on the field, and, and so – 
I'm pretty sure Shao's got team of the week this week, and it's a you know great accomplishment because yeah. he's been playing lights out on both sides of the ball, and that's something we talked about. You know, being successful on both sides of the ball is something he's done. Um, so the, there's no competitive there in training. You know, we if we're on the opposite team, of course we're going to talk some some smack <laughs> and and be competitive there. But you know, the success of the team is first and foremost, and you know everyone is is fighting for each other, um, for the players, other players around them with the badge on. Um, you are a former striker, kind of turned winger, turned defensive back or fullback, I should say. What is that transition like when, I mean, how, first off, I want to hear how, how that transition happened and kind of how it's developed. I mean, you kind of have this like jack of all trades mm. player. Um, and, I, and I'm curious how that happened. Well, my entire career, um, youth, college and early professional career, I was a striker, um, or a winger. Um, so that was kind of where I thought I was going to fit in professionally. Unfortunately, 2017, I'm actually in my time in Orange County. I suffered a season-ending injury, did my ACL, and was trying to find a team the following season and didn't have a, you know, a wealth of games from the season before to, to try to find a team. So I just fit in where I can get in, ended up in Reno as a left back and made the position my own, and, and I kind of honed in on it and, and honed on my skills there defensively and kept some of my skills going forward um, and getting involved in the attack. So... Um, is, is I've made this position my own now. I think that's one of the things because, you know, when we, when we signed you, we knew we, in my head I was thinking, oh, you know, Duke's a left back. It's going to be good to watch him play. We kind of had a hole at left back last year. It's mm-hmm. great. And then I didn't realize until I watched some of the clips of, oh, man, yeah. he's going to be a huge asset in, in the attack <laughs> as well. As, and, we, and we've obviously seen that a bunch as well. But, um, I, I mean, the, I know you use a lot of those former striker kind of moves um, out on the wing how much fun is it? I mean, do you have more fun when you're, you know, back? I know it's kind of a, it's a back three, but it turns into a back five when you guys are, yeah. do you have more fun, you know, defensively or in attack? Um, I think uh, in a weird, in a weird way, more fun attacking from de- the defensive position because okay. you generally, the, the striker or the winger who's defending me doesn't really want to defend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not often do you find a winger who's willing to do the work both up and down the field like I'm willing to do the work, um, you, know, you know, 120 yards that you have to cover, 120 yeah. Um, for the entire field, and, and not many people want to run with me. Um, so it's it's exciting once you get past that man, and you're only two v one with you know Dark or KB or Cam in front of me, and you can kind of have a lot more options than if you're already in the attack, trying to create some space for yourself. So it's a lot it's a lot of fun in those moments when you get into the attack, and it's you know two v one going against the defender, and you can utilize some of your skills. But I'll tell you what, it's a long way back <laughs> when, you have to, when you have to get back. So it's so it's. Um, a little bit of both, and a lot of it's just a mentality. You just have to be willing to, to work, and when you find those moments, try to make the most of them. Do you have to um, pace yourself? Because you, you, you get a lot of mileage on you mm-hmm. going up and down the field. Is there, do you have to pick your spots at all um, on when to make runs and things, or do you realize or you have to be in that good a shape where, hey, I have to be able to do this for 90 minutes? Um, yeah, a little bit of both. So when I don't have the ball, I can't really dictate the play. It, sometimes you can if you're running your movement. You don't necessarily run in behind. Um, but you know when the opportunity is there to run in behind, it, it doesn't matter whether you know you want to or not. You have to be unselfish for your teammates and, and make the appropriate available option. If that's sixty yards forward, you got to go sixty yards forward. But when you have the ball at your feet, in moments, you know we want to play forward quickly and, and kind of catch your teams in transition. But if we've been going back and forth like ping pong, sometimes you just have to take a breath and you get to keep the ball. So um, a little bit of both. So you get to dictate when you want to keep the ball, but then sometimes you don't have a choice and you got to get on your horse and yep. get going. <laughs> <laughs> um, the buildup, especially in the in the second half of the Vegas Lights game, it at times just was just beautiful, and it's uh, it seems like 
you know, like I said, every half it feels like you guys have gotten better. Build up specifically, you guys, it seems like everybody's starting to get on the same page, knowing where they're going to be. And it feels like two, or really two games to do that is a very short period of time. Is that something that you guys feel is like, hey, we're starting to figure this out kind of early? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know in terms of the timing. Some teams can figure it out prior to the first game. Um, I think we're doing a really good job, um, like we spoke about before, getting better every single day, and that's our goal. We're trying not to regress and to focus on the little details that, that make us successful. And, you know, the, the adage is the easiest, the hardest, the easiest thing to do is play simple, but it's also the hardest thing to do. You know, when you look at it on film, it's really easy to say, okay, this player should go here, this player should go here. But once you're in the game with all the pieces moving, it is very difficult to play simply. Um, and, and our experience is kind of showing itself. We have a good group of players, an experienced group of players who are starting to figure it out. And, and the coaches are harping on the points, and we're really taking our time to, to fine-tune those details that make a huge difference over 90 minutes. And, and so it's showing. How often during a match are you able to, and I'm sure you're doing it constantly, but are you able to take a second and say, hey, I, make, I need to make an adjustment here. They're doing something differently than I thought they were going to, and so I'm going to try to do something differently. How often does that happen during a match, or is it happening just constantly? Um, definitely constantly. Um, early in the season, teams haven't set, or it's difficult to tell a team's rhythm, how a team wants to play, but just based off of one or two games. Um, Orange County has only played one game, so it's difficult to tell their style of play just based off of that one game. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those subtleties and how to change how I'm defending a player or how the team is, wants to build out tactically and where I should be on the field comes from the coaches. But when you're between the lines, you kind of have to figure out those um, minute details on the fly constantly. Every single second, you're kind of evaluating where I should be relative to where the other players are relative to where my teammates are. Do you also evaluate the, for instance, if you're in attack, if you think you have a step on, hey, I'm faster than this outside back or center back, mm-hmm. um, and use that to your advantage? Is that something that happens pretty early on in the match? Like, hey, I got an advantage here. Yeah, yeah, you can you can definitely tell early on whether, or you know, whether a player wants to commit to running and, and tracking. Um, or defending, or how, the, how they want to keep you outside or force you inside, or they have a lot of time to push it down the line because they get caught flat-footed. Or there, there's some moments where you can figure that out off a defender, and the really good defenders can, can hide that and be a little bit more clever in their defending and, and try to force you into what they want to do, but you also have to try to be creative attacking-wise and, and find different ways to get around them. Has it been tougher i guess it's probably tougher than last year obviously but to communicate on the field with your teammates because there is actually some noise Mm -hmm. especially in that 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 home opener um compared to last year was it something that you know when you reflect on last season compared to this season hey like last year we were able to talk a ton you could hear everybody now Mm -hmm. there's more noise is that something that's been adjustment for you and for the team um yeah i think i think a little bit it's been it's definitely been louder um, but it's not it's not too foreign, you know. It's like riding a bike. You, yeah. you get used to it. It's, the first couple of games was difficult with the noise, and like, wow, like sometimes I can't hear my teammates. But uh, over time, it fades to white noise in the background because it's kind of inaudible, indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. And you know, talking to someone twenty, thirty yards away, you can hear you know the syllables and the enunciations and the urgency with which hmm. they speak. Um, so you can you your ears kind of adjust to that over the time. But definitely the first. You know, five ten minutes of our home opener when the crowd is really, really loud. It's like wow, like this is you. You felt the palpableness in in each syllable that you had to speak in order for your teammates to hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um, who are you communicating with most teammates wise throughout the match? I'm assuming it's the center back on your side and the midfielder on your side. Is that is that true? Yeah, is is that okay? Yeah, that's correct. It's definitely a lot more defensively. Um, communication is 
key. You know, just talking to your teammates, letting them know where you're at, where they should be, um, closing the de- depth and distance between you and the attacker and your teammate and the attacker, just giving them any piece of information to help them defend um, is pivotal. So like you said, the, the center back and the, the closest midfield to me on the left-hand side are usually the people I talk to the most. Okay. And what are you guys usually talking It's just mostly talking about distance and different things. Are you any, any sort of like, hey – do you talk to you like you're meant for like, hey, I got an advantage on this guy on the outside. Like, find me. That is it. That kind of type of thing too, or you got to find moments. Or well, he yeah. probably just notice. I would assume. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I just pick it up, but it's, it's a bit more aggressive than that. It'd just be play me the ball, or you know, yeah. As the ball's on the other side, I'll say like, hey, why'd you go back? Find me again. Um, if it's in the attack, I'd be like, hey, check your shoulder. He's always running in behind. Just check your shoulder, mm-hmm. or step into space. He's off sides. We try to keep the the length of the sentences to a minimum because it's a lot of breath <laughs> to, <laughs> right. to say all that. So, <laughs> right, so as right, much right. detail as you can fit in as little syllables is, is a, a special speciality of, of some players. So, uh, I mean, so you played, you played for Reno for two years mm-hmm. now playing for, for Sacramento. What do you remember about those, uh, those heat, the heated rivalry? Um, <laughs> definitely the, the one that really stings the most is the playoff game where Sac came to Reno and you guys beat us on our home field. Um, that one stung a little bit. That was the Cam plant the flag game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was um, that was a it's, it's, it's time has has passed. So it's it's easy to say now, but that was that was a tough one in the moment because yeah. we felt like we had a good squad that year, um, and and you guys got the better of us on that day. It seems like, and it's sad to say now that because you know the team is no longer in existence, mm-hmm. um, but the every single year looking forward to that those matches because they were always so intense. So good. Like, even last year, um, I know you weren't on the team, but, like, every game was close or, like, high intensity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm curious to see. I think that's going to happen with Phoenix a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that rivalry, maybe it's Oakland. But I, when you look at this Pacific Division, like you said, you spent a lot of time on the West Coast in the USL. Um, what are you noticing about, you know, the competitiveness level about every single team? Any team can beat anybody on any given night. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of quality around the league. There's some good players. Um, again, like I've, I've been around the league for a couple of years now, and, and back on the West Coast, there's, you know, looking at the talent pool that that teams can pick from, and, and guys are are competing at the levels that they're playing at. It's it's really a competitive league, and that's exactly what you want. Where every game you're going to have a battle. You know, as soccer players, professional athletes, what we want to do is compete, and and well, first we want to win. But you don't want you know an easy game every mm-hmm. single game or every other game. You want to yeah. have to compete every single game and then win those competitions to know what your level is at. And so it's it's really good to to look around our Pacific Division and and know that every game is going to be quality, so we can push ourselves to be the best that we can be for the season. I mean, two games, six points, top of the table as of right now, um, and it's uh, and with a game in hand, but also with the top of the table. So I want to I want to talk. I want to get to know Duke a little better. Mm-hmm. I want the fans to get to know Duke a little better. So I want to hear you know what it's been like being back or not being back, being here in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what has your experience been like so far? Um, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, I guess off the field stuff. I'm excited for Tahoe. That's one of my favorite places. I actually. Um, I think I saw. Did you go there last weekend? I went. I went on a bike ride. Yeah. They finished when I was here last. They were working on the bike trail slash walking path from San Harbor to Incline Village. They finished that up, so I was able to go back. It was a crappy weather day over the weekend, um, but you know, still made the trip just because we had the time and the ability to do it. Yeah, um, and it was awesome. You know, it's, it's a breathtaking place. There's still a little bit of snow on the mountaintop, so you know, got there at a good time. And then when the summer comes around, I know it's going to be busy, but I'm definitely going to make a couple trips out that way. Yeah, it's one of the. It's a good spot, and it's not too far. Um, it's like a perfect distance, little yeah. little further, little further from Reno, but yeah, but uh, that's all right. So, um, 
you grew up in and you were born in New Jersey, is that New right? Jersey, New East Jersey, East Coast guy. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. a big sir, you're a big East Coast guy. So walk me through like what it was like growing up playing soccer um in the East Coast and I mean I would imagine it's cold, man. Like what yeah. how <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was I was battling some of those yeah, cold you, winters, you man. You say that like a West Coast guy. I, I, that's right. That's right. You're right. I do say yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So growing up in New Jersey, things are a lot closer, um, right. and a lot more compact. Um, and so the competition in terms of playing wise, you know, some guys you played against in school, or or guys you know that you lived around the corner from here. It's a little bit more distance. There's a little bit more separation between players, but not a bad thing. Just different from what I was used to growing up. There's a lot of teams in my local area um, competing that were competitive PDA Red Bulls the union just started an academy recently they didn't quite have our age group yet NGSA match fit you know a lot of different areas in just in New Jersey um, in northern Jersey that were really competitive and had some quality teams we're fortunate to win a a youth national championship at that level prior to the development academy Um, and so that was you know one of the highlights of my youth career that was pretty awesome and another one speaking of the cold was a lot of times at training, our coach would text us to bring a shovel, and it would be snowing, and we'd just carve out, you know, maybe a 50-by-50-yard 50 50 area on the field, on the turf, and we'd, we'd get the training, play some possession. Wow. Um, if we were able to get the this, this snow off the goals, we would move one of the goals in and just have, like, a little small-sided thing. But that was definitely one of the memories in the winters. Um, training was never canceled. <laughs> it was bring a shovel. If it wasn't, like, windy or lightning, you're probably going out. Wow. Yeah. So – <laughs> Hang on. So does it make you appreciate the, the West Coast weather a little bit more, or do you kind of miss it? Maybe you miss it a little bit. I do miss it a little bit. There, the worst element by far is the wind. I, I don't think the mm. rain – freezing rain kind of stinks too because usually that means it's windy. Like very rarely do you get a freezing rain where it's not already windy. So you, it's windy, you're wet, and you're cold. Trifecta, yeah. that's probably the worst. Um, but the rain and the snow, not too bad. You know, as long as it's not windy, yeah. um, I think it's manageable. I was, I was one of those guys that always wear a T-shirt and maybe gloves um, just because once I got moving, it was, it was warm. But I, I always felt good in, in the cold a little bit. Um, I feel like I. it makes you tough, I feel like, too, right? Like, yeah. I feel like us, us folks who, who grew up in this area and mm-hmm. around there, we're a little soft when it comes to weather. Like, yeah. it's like 15-mile-an-hour winds on a 70-mile-an-hour day, and we're <laughs> complaining. Yeah. Um, so I imagine, I imagine that, that definitely toughens you up, and you have to focus. Um, what, but what else? I mean – when you, you went to um, let's see I got it, I got it written down here. You go to college and t- so talk to me. I want to know about like the recruiting process for you. I mean, you went mm-hmm. to Penn mm-hmm. University of Pennsylvania, and I mean, I I would imagine out there mm-hmm. they you got recruited by a lot of local schools. Is that true? Yeah. Because there's a lot there's yeah. a ton of schools in that area. Yeah. What was that experience like? Um, it, it kind of went over my head to be perfectly honest. Where hmm. Um, I, I just had this whimsical fantasy that college would just fall into my lap like the movies where you get recruited, you don't really have to pay attention too much. Things would sort themselves out. Or, you know, I was really fortunate where I had good people in my corner who were helping me and pushing me and guiding me towards the things I ought to be doing. And I just kind of did it because they were telling me to do it rather than focusing in on what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but, you know, I ended up sorting that out later in my high school career um, in terms of taking ownership of the recruiting process, and really, I'm really thankful that I did, and dictating where I wanted to go. Um, but yeah, like like you said, there's a lot of schools in a small area where I went to high school at a private school that was down the road from Princeton, literally three miles down wow. the road. Um, so that was the first school to kind of reach out to me just because of the vicinity. Um, you know, Georgetown, not too far, even though that's DC, that's still only a three hour train ride, right. maybe three hour bus ride. 
Philly, hour and a half. There's some New York schools, hour and a half. So being in that kind of metro area of these big three cities, each with like six or seven schools alone in them, um, I was really fortunate to kind of be in that sort of um, melting pot to be recruited. Well, I bet it's a hotbed for for athletes, especially soccer players. I mean, I mentioned there's a ton of talent out there, especially in Jersey and New York. Is there any sort of – I know there's like a big New York Jersey thing. Yeah. Is that a big resentment from New Yorkers or from New Jersey folks? Um, It's actually – so there's a twofold divide. Okay. North and South Jersey – don't like each other. Okay. South Jersey is all Philly. I'm Philly. Okay. So I okay. Philly sports, Philly everything, Philly okay. channeling. But then if you go north of a certain point, it's all New York. And so there's a resentment between North and South Jersey really? because yeah, because most of them from North Jersey are New York everything, South Jersey, Philly everything. And then New Yorkers don't like New Jerseyers because New Jerseyers claim they're from New York even though <laughs> they're from New Jersey. And so a lot of people from Newark, Newark is kind of becoming its own city, Hoboken, yeah. and kind of the across the, the river area is building itself up and it's becoming a city in itself. But in the past, you know, Elizabeth, um, Newark, that area would all claim they're like, oh, we're New Yorkers. Or, we, we do New York things, but all the New Yorkers are like, nah, like you're not in the boroughs. <laughs> you're not from around here. That is, you, gotta, you gotta talk to Ralph a little bit about that. He'll, he'll, he'll I got claim it. New York a little bit. Oh, he will? <laughs> yeah, he he's will? from Patterson, but he'll, he'll claim New York, I think. Okay, bit. I gotta talk about it. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because I know he's, I knew he was from New York. Um, what else? Is that? Oh, I, I don't know what I was going to ask you. We were talking about this before we started. Um, mm. There's, I mean, I, I've done it once, and I know you, you've done it, but float, doing the float spa, yeah. talk to me about that, man, that experience. Because I am not an athlete. I've done it, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's nice. It's relaxing. It helps me sleep. But as an athlete, what is that like recovering for you? I guess we should probably tell people what it is, right? Yeah. A little bit? Yeah. You want to go through it for me? Because um, you understand it better than I do. Yeah, so I guess a, a quick breakdown would kind of be the best way to think about it is like a sensory, sensory deprivation chamber. So it's just a, a big tub with heavily salted water that allows you to float, and it kind of takes away your senses. So you can just concentrate either on your thoughts or you know meditating or trying to relax as much as possible without too much stimulus coming in for your body to focus on. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you a really restorative rest, similar to taking an Epsom salt bath, where it you know, kind of dehydrates your muscles a little bit, relaxes you, and then you can you know get a mental relaxation as well. Yeah, so it... That was way better than what I was going to say. I was going to say it was like uh, taking a bath in the Dead Sea. Um, but, yeah, that, that was much. Anyway, so it's, you've done it a couple times. Do you do it as like a – like when, when do you do it, I guess, is, is the better question. Um, I think the best time, and I personally like to do it either a day or two removed from a game, okay. just as a, a recovery tool. Recovery, okay. an, another way to kind of relax your body and to try to reset for the next week and to go right back at it full strength. Um, but really at any time, it's, it's a good mental um, reset button. I, I like to think it's like meditation on steroids where, you know, you get this really, you know, the senses, you take in more stimulus than you think, more, way more stimulus than you can process. And a lot of that comes with technology from phones, from listening to people. Just, I forgot what it was. I think it's like 11 million bits of information per second and your body can only, or you can actually only take in 100 or 200 bits at a time. Like, think about that. How, wow. how small you can actually take in and how much is actually out there and how much your body is, you know, diffusing and, and trying to focus on. And so a lot of that comes from survival instincts. You really focus and are attuned to things that help you, you know, survive and get you to the next. It's primal, you know, that get you to the next stage of life, you know, mm-hmm. keep you going to the next day. Um, and a lot of it now is, is entertainment. We, we focus ourselves on things that we don't necessarily have to focus on, but it's taking up a lot of our senses and our time. 
and to kind of diffuse from that and to reset and go back to zero um, is, is a good way to, to restore your mind and have a new focus on what is important and what you should be focusing on at any given time. And it's a, pre- it's a pretty new thing. I mean, I, I, like I said, I tried it a couple months ago, but I haven't uh, – it's, I, I hadn't heard about it before mm-hmm. about a year ago, so it's relatively yeah. new, but I know you said that you, you really enjoy it, so I wanted to ch- talk, about, talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I also wanted to ask you about is, and I actually was told incorrectly, but you are a pescatarian, which means you, you eat the only meat, I guess. Does fish count as meat? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. It does count as meat? Okay. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about that. Like, How did that start for you? I mean, I know it's big with bodybuilders. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're a fit guy. Are you think maybe, maybe one day. You never know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it started, and funny enough, when people were talking about going vegan, when the vegan kick really hit a lot of athletes, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of the Titans players were doing it because of, it came out because of the documentary Game Changers on Netflix, and people were talking about that, I think it was through the summer of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to have to, the timeline might be a little off, but there's a point in time where a lot of people were talking about going vegan as a high-performing athlete, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, like, you guys just, you know, on the hype train, watching this stuff, looking into this stuff. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not about that. I like what I'm doing. I'm pretty comfortable with what I'm doing. I feel good. I feel fit. I feel healthy. There's no, I don't need to change anything. But then, you know, thinking about just trying to be 1% better at everything I do, mm-hmm. or, you know, if I can get an extra 1%, that's every single day that compounds over time to be that much better for the next thing. So I was like, this could be that 1%. Right. I gave it, I did some research. I looked into it. And the thing that really sold me wasn't necessarily the documentary. If you haven't watched it, I would recommend it. It's a, if you're looking for a Netflix show, um, something to do, um, definitely give that a watch. But um, I wouldn't say it's you know a life-changing or game-changing thing. If you're not comfortable going vegan or pescatarian, if it doesn't fit your diet, then don't do it. But I just feel lighter. You know, mm. I, I think the I, I feel lighter and I don't feel as bad as I did eating meat um, mm. as often as I did. So I wouldn't say like I'm a different person. I can run forever, or it has changed my body um, physically, or I feel stronger. It's just I don't feel as bad as often. And I, I really like that feeling. If I can just, it just allows me to be one percent better every single day. And I think that that is um, a new facet to my game. So it's pretty. It's relatively new. You've only been doing it how long? Um, for like a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Say, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So you started in twenty twenty. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what types of things, like post post game or maybe maybe pre game, what's your mm-hmm. go to go to meal to make sure you're you're dialed up and ready? Um, yeah. So there's a really Trader Joe's great store. Um, Love it. Butternut squash, some tofu, and some stir fry. I always, I almost always eat a salad with every single meal. Um, so a salad, kind of to start, um, we change it up, and then the butternut squash and the the like tofu, chicken flavored tofu stuff. Also, something people need to look into is who comes up with how to make like tofu into like other different meats because it's kind of crazy some of the stuff that they have out there where they can make like Mexican stir fry ground beef tofu that takes just like a ground beef thing i don't know like yeah. there's a scientist or what culinary school you got to go to to, <laughs> to do this tofu <laughs> stuff but they should get some type of metal because it, it does if you don't think you can go like vegan or pescatarian just check out check out the specialty tofu aisle next to the cheeses and you'll be surprised at some of the stuff that you can find in there and make and actually find it delicious because um that that definitely helps like you enjoy what you eat it makes a huge difference. Hmm. And so that and that gets you fired up for the game. A lot of people like I think a lot of guys eat pasta. Um yeah. and uh, I know that's a big but you're you're low carb on that before uh, the, pregame. The squash the squash kind of has, has it. Some it's, carbs, it's, yeah. it's like a ravioli type of deal. Oh, okay. So it, ha- it has some carbs in there. Okay. Um I'm pretty I'm a pretty carb heavy person to be honest. I think 
uh, I'm pretty. This is the one kind of guilty pleasure. I can't eat a sandwich without a bag of chips. Like that's like a rule of thumb. If you eat a sandwich without a bag of chips, you're doing something wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're definitely so, doing something wrong. Are you a big salt guy then? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm definitely savory over sweet. Okay. Yeah. All right, makes sense. I guess it makes sense ever since we talked about the float spa. Heavy, yeah. heavy insult there too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, this is great, man. I don't know what. what else, I mean, I feel like I could keep we could talk for like ever, but I, I know you got some stuff you get to get to. But I want to ask. I mean, overall, uh, I'm sure. I mean, I know fans have loved watching you play so far. Like I said, mm-hmm. I've been loving watching you play. It's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I never know what you're going to do next, and I <laughs> love that. Like the you, you just you've shocked me. You know, every time I watch you play, so it's been a lot of fun, um, and I'm excited. I mean, Two games down, two wins. You guys got to be feeling good, I imagine. Yeah, we're feeling good, but we know I have plenty more to go. So, Duke, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Right, thanks for having me. Our thanks to Duke Lucroix for jumping on the podcast. Coming up tomorrow night, Sac Republic in Game 3, taking on Orange County SC on the road. 7 p.m. kickoff, KQCA My58, Estrella TV, ESPN. Plus, lots of stuff going on. Sacramento looking to get to the top of the table with a win and begin the season with three straight victories. Pretty awesome. That's coming up tomorrow night. You aren't going to want to miss it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast, supporting. We appreciate it. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, go Republic.